Good morning. How is everyone this morning? So good to uh, see you all, as Sam said. Uh, is anyone else feeling a bit dark that the Crusaders won again last night? No. <laughs> I certainly am. Tall, tall poppy syndrome. Um, anyway, if you're just joining us today, as Sam said, uh, we've been in this series for a few weeks now called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And this series is all about this, this idea, really, that we believe that Jesus wants to do more than just save us. As amazing as that is to have an eternal hope, to, to have an eternal future, we believe that Jesus wants to transform us in this life, that he wants to heal our inner world so that we can walk in a way that would reflect him uh, holistically. So over this course, we've um, sort of been discussing different marks or different characteristics to like a healthy inner formation, a healthy discipleship, so that we can walk more and more in the likeness of Jesus. So I just want to recap where we've been so far this morning. We kind of kicked this series off with be before you do. Be before you do. And that's almost the foundation that everything we do flows from who we are. And the people that we're becoming are more important than what we're doing. So we talked about reorientating our lives intentionally around following Jesus and having intimacy with him so everything we do flows out of that place. Next, we talked about following the crucified Jesus, um, that to follow a Western construct of Jesus is to follow him so that our material lives can get better and more abundant, but to follow the crucified Jesus is to follow his way of servanthood. It's to follow his way of humility. It's to follow his way of self-sacrifice. It's to follow his way of laying down our lives that he might live through us. And the truth is, is when we lay our lives down, that's when we find true life. So that's what we talked about in the second week. Uh, next, we talked about embracing God. God's gift of limits, that in our culture it's often all about pushing the limits or going beyond the limits or pushing the boundaries, but in the kingdom culture God's given us some limits that we need to receive, and we talked about that when we live within God's limits that, that they can be a blessing to us because they cause us to be reliant on God. We recognize that it's not us up to us alone to save the world, they, it creates a humility in us and it leads to like a holistic healthy lifestyle instead of uh, burnout. And then last week we talked about discovering the treasures hidden in grief and loss. Kind of the big idea here was that everyone on this planet will experience loss. We will experience suffering. It's not something we get away from uh, by giving our lives to Jesus or becoming Christians. It's something that we experience. We're all going to experience loss, but I believe God wants to grieve our losses in a healthy way. Kind of the big idea we shared was that if we don't grieve our losses in a healthy way, they'll begin to leak out of us in an unhealthy way. And God wants to take us through a process of healing so that he can redeem those seasons of loss uh, for his glory. And so the mark that I'm discussing this morning, if you're taking notes, uh, the mark is make love the measure of maturity. Make love the measure of maturity. And I'm just going to uh, pray before I get into that this morning. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you're so good. Lord, I thank you that your word is alive and relevant. Lord, would you teach all of us this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to start off this morning with a question. How do you measure spiritual maturity? Think about it. How do you measure spiritual maturity? If someone asked you that, what makes a person spiritually mature? How would you answer that question? Would you measure it by the amount of spiritual experiences someone's had, uh, like profound spiritual experiences? Would you measure it by someone operating in spiritual giftings and having great faith for things like healing and prophecy? Would you measure it by the amount of biblical knowledge that someone has and someone's got a really robust biblical knowledge, would that make them a mature person? How do we measure spiritual maturity? Do we measure it the same way that God measures it? 
I think Paul gives us some insights into how God measured spiritual maturity in his letter to the Corinthians that I'm just going to read a few verses through. This is what Paul says. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. To summarize, Paul's saying that we can have great faith, great generosity, and even operate in great giftings, but if it's not coming from an inner motivation of love, it all counts for nothing. He's saying that love is the true mark of spiritual maturity. And if you look at the life of Jesus, love is exactly what he embodied. In his teachings, he, he constantly communicated the, the inseparability of loving God and loving others. You know, when a, when a religious expert of his time asked him, what is the greatest command? What is the greatest command? If you could sum it up, what is the greatest command? This is what Jesus replied. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Follow God wholeheartedly. This is the first and greatest command. A second, though, is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. A second is equally important. You see, Jesus combined loving God and loving others as one of the same, that they're inseparable. They're equally important. In 1 John 4, 8, it says this, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. He's saying that the way that we love others is a direct correlation to our relationship of God, that if we really think that we know God and we're in rich relationship with God, it naturally translates into loving others. You know, and these teachings of Jesus about loving others were radically different to the teachings of his time. You know, the first century rabbis, they stressed relationship with God at the expense of relationship with others. They, their, their customs would be that if you'd go to the place of worship and you would offer a sacrifice or you'd go to the temple to worship and you realized that someone had something against you, they would teach their followers to continue on with their worship because God was first. And then once they, you had finished your worship, you were then to go and make it right with the other person. But Jesus completely turned this on his head. He told his followers, if you come to the place of worship and if you're in the process of offering your praise and worship and sacrifice, and if you realize that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar, go and make it right with the other person, and then come back and worship God. Jesus taught that loving others is inseparable from loving God. In his time, the rabbis taught people to love their neighbor and love their friend and love their fellow man, but to hate their enemies. Jesus, again, completely flipped this on his head. He said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless, th bless those who spitefully use you, that you may be like your Father in heaven. He taught radical love, and this was to be the mark of all of his followers, Christ-like love. In fact, it says in John 13, Jesus says this, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. That's the key. As he has loved us, we can pass on to each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The proof of us being Jesus' followers is the way we love each other. And the way that we love each other should be starkly different to a love that's found in the world. Because we've received a love that's not of this world. 
We've received a reckless love. We've received abundant grace. We've received this love from God that enables us to then pass that on to others. And something I've been thinking about lately is we can often pray and petition God for revival, that he would work in people's hearts and people would come to know his grace and, and that he's a loving father. And that's something that I encourage. But I've been thinking about this. What if, what if people started to experience us as in, our inter, inter, in our everyday interactions if they experienced the love of Jesus? Wouldn't revival be the natural byproduct if people experienced radical love, if people experienced radical grace, if people experienced mercy and compassion? I wonder if revival would flow on from that naturally. In his book, Civilization of Love, Carl Anderson says this, the responsibility of Christians in our time remains as it was in Paul's, to radically transform culture, not by imposing values from above, but in a subtler yet more powerful process living a vocation of love in the day-to-day realities of our life. You know, what would our witness be if our primary focus was loving people like Jesus? What would our, what would our workplaces be like if, they were, if our colleagues were experiencing this Christ-like love? What would our families be like if there was just a, a love that was unworldly? What would our friendships be like? What would the witness be to the world if people were experiencing the love of Jesus through his church? I believe we need to make love the measure of our spiritual maturity. A great question to ask ourselves and one I've been reflecting on myself is this. Are the people closest to me experiencing me as a more loving person every year? Are the people closest to me experiencing me as a more loving person every year? How would Samantha answer that if they said, if year by year is Sam becoming a slightly more loving person? How how would our children answer that? How would our co-workers answer that? I believe that's a way that we can kind of keep our faith pure because the the truth is if if we're growing in knowledge and we're learning new scriptures and and we've got a radical relationship with God, but that's not transferring into people actually experiencing us as more loving, we've probably missed the mark somewhere. It's a way to keep it pure. I believe we need to make love the measure of our spiritual maturity. You know, love is a massive topic and we could spend weeks talking about love and barely even scratch the surface. We could talk about the great love that God has for us. We could talk about what love really means. And and when we shared on our values, we we focused on love and we kind of took a broad broad perspective and we talked about biblically what is love what are some of the key blocks we need to know to start to love like God why is love important but today's message is going to kind of zoom in and it's going to focus more on our relationships on our interpersonal relationships what does love look like practically in our relationships how can we be love to the people around us but before we get to that I just couldn't leave this part out I need to remind you that you are loved you are loved Some people came to church this morning just to hear that you are loved. You are God's beloved son and daughter. That just as God said to Jesus before he had done anything, he said, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. In you my favor rests. You are my dearly loved son. In you I have great joy. You are my son. You are my daughter and everything he did flows from that. And if you've put your faith in Christ, what God says of Christ, he says of you because you've been clothed in him. And he says, you are my loved son. You are my dearly loved daughter and you my favor rests. And we need to keep coming back to that place because we can't pass on a love that we haven't received. Everything that I'm about to talk about is completely uh, irrelevant unless we first receive that we're loved by God. And we can go back time and time again, regardless of our performance, saying, I am the beloved of God. 
I am the beloved son. I am the one in who he is well pleased. His favor does rest on me. I am a son of God. I give him great joy because I am his son. We need to remind ourselves of that day by day. And once we start to learn that, we can begin to pass that on to others. So how does this work? I think passing God's love on to others starts by seeing people the way that God sees people. We need to see every human being we interact with as a child of God, as a beloved child of God, as someone that is made in the image of God, a priceless creation. You see, when we start to see people as a child of God that God has made, that God loves, that God loves just as much as he loves us, that they are a unique reflection of God, it starts to change the way we relate to people. When we see people the way God does, we relate to them different. I love what Pete Scazzaro says in his book. He says this, We recognize each person as unrepeatable, an inestimable treasure, an image bearer of the living God. We treat each individual as sacred, as one created from the very breath of God. Most importantly, we welcome their otherness, otherness, acknowledging how different they are from us. Every person is a unique facet of God. Every person is made in his image. Every person... Those kids in your classroom, they're children of God. Those family members, they're children of God. Those neighbors, the, the homeless person down the street, that is a child of the Most High God made in His image that carries a unique um, reflection of Him. And we need to start seeing people this way. I love how Kieran from our church put it in his philosophy of ministry. He says this, Whatever their relationship with God might be, each person I encounter is both a child and a representation of the Most High God and should be valued, cared for, and spoken of as such. Well done, Karen. <laughs> you know, seeing people the way God sees people is the first step. Once, unless we can see people for who, for who they are, for who they are in Christ, for, for, for how God sees them, we can't love them because we need to see them through that lens. But once we start seeing people this way, we need to start thinking about what are people experiencing when they interact with me? What are people's sensory experience when they interact with me? Because that's exactly how God demonstrated his love in Christ. He knew of no better way than to actually come and enter our world in a human and live among and dwell among and be with and interact in everyday conversations, everyday experiences and show this radical love so people could experience it. Um, Basil, the fourth bishop of Caesarea, says this, Annunciations are frequent, incarnations are rare. Scazzaro elaborates saying, in other words, bold announcements of what God is doing are common, but people who actually practice being God with skin on are much more difficult to find. Which one of those two are more powerful? It's pretty easy to be like, God's on the move, God's this, God's that, but what about actually practicing being God with skin on? What about actually entering people's worlds like Christ entered our world? What about being with and being among and loving and caring and listening? How much more powerful would that be than telling people about, what if they just experienced God? And, 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 and the gospel flowed on from that. So I want to talk about five ways that we can actually practically love the people around us. The first one is this, if you're taking notes, be present, be present. The, the great theologian Henry Nguyen says this, to care means to first of all to be present to each other. From experience you know that those who care for you become present to you. When they listen, they listen to you. When they speak, they speak to you. Their presence is a healing presence because they accept you on your terms and they encourage you to take your own life seriously, you know, to love 
is to be present. I don't know if you can even think of someone right now when you're in a relationship and someone's fully present, they're listening, they see you, you are the most important thing to them that right now. That is, that is an act of love. Our presence at communic when we're present, it communicates to people that they are of highest value. You know, and for me, this is, to be honest, this is a real challenge because it's not unusual for me to have four or five different ideas flowing through my head all at once, but I have to remind myself, be present. That person right in front of you is more important than what you're thinking about. Be present. That person right in front of you is more important than what you're looking at on your phone. Be present. Put away your laptop. Be present. Look up from the computer. Be present. That person is a son and child of God and they are worth your time and you show that you love them by giving them your all. By being there full, by, by being there fully, you know, and in our day and age, it's even more important. You know, research has shown that over the past ten to fifteen years, the ability for human beings to connect emotionally in face-to-face settings is dramatically decreasing, with smartphones, with laptops. And what if we were a people that, when our spouse was talking to us, we put away our phones and we said, "You have my full attention." What about our kids? If if we if we turned off the TV and said, "You have my full attention," you know, being present. Is, is part of loving. The second way we love is we listen. James 1.19 says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I think we could all spend a whole lifetime trying to master that one. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get, get angry. David Oshberger elaborates on this saying, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Being heard is so close to being loved. Listening is so central to loving well. But there's a difference between listening to give advice or listening to defend a position or listening to give an opinion as opposed to listening to just simply enter someone's world. Listening just to hear their heart. Listening to actually experience what they're experiencing in life. Listening just to connect with them and let them talk. You know, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I find myself constantly interrupting people before they've finished their sentences. Or sometimes I can be formulating what I'm going to reply before someone's even finished. We need to listen. Listen. Just listen to what that person is experiencing. That is how we show love. You know, I think we see that in Jesus too. In spite of his, his the massive amount of demands on him, he, he was present and with everyday people. The woman at the well, you know, Zacchaeus who was in the tree, he stopped and he saw him. You know, uh, the rich young ruler, it says he looked at him and he loved him. You know, he was present in the midst of having so much to do. We need to be present and listening. The third way is we need to speak life. Speak life. Proverbs sixteen twenty four says, This kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. You know, our words have a life-giving power. Our words can transform cultures. Our words can change environments. Our words can heal uh, hurt. Our words can change families. And I think we need to recognize how powerful our words are. Our words have life-giving power. You know, the, the power of thankfulness and appreciation is unbelievable. If we just stopped and we said, thank you so much for what you're doing. Man, you really blessed me today. I so appreciate you taking the time to do that. Noticing and looking for opportunities to say thank, thank you. I appreciate you. It will completely transform our relationship, words of encouragement. Man, like words of encouragement are so powerful. Like, you are doing a good job. You've done amazing. Well done. I'm so proud of you. It just lifts people. Like Wilco uh, Kleinovic is a great encourager. 
Sometimes I'll see him after church and he'll just have a word of encouragement. He'll say, Sam, I really like that today. And, and it's amazing what a little word of encouragement can do. You know, we need to speak life. The fourth way in our interactions is give. God says, uh, John says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There's a direct correlation between giving and love because giving is a practical, uh, it's actually a practical outworking of love. It's how can I help you? How can I serve you? Is there something kind I can do for you? I'm I'm gonna go above and beyond with my time because I value you. Looking for opportunities to give and serve. And finally, the final way we can love in our interactions is by extending grace. You know, love goes beyond having to be right. Love goes beyond black and white. Love goes beyond right and wrong. It goes beyond winning an argument. And all of those things I mentioned above, they're much easier to do with people we agree with. They're much easier to do with people we like. They're much easier to do with people uh, that are respectful. It's much easier to be present with someone when you actually enjoy their company. It's much easier to be present with someone when you enjoy what they're saying. It's much easier to be present with someone when, you, when they re- reciprocate that same honour to you. It's much easier to listen to people when you agree with their opinion. It's much easier to listen to people that have the same worldview as you. It's much easier to listen to people when they're not saying anything negative about you. It's much easier to encourage and speak kindly to people who you think deserve it or merit it. It's much harder to, 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 to actually have to make an effort to spot something to be thankful for, to encourage someone that doesn't encourage you. You know, it's much easier to serve and be generous to people that we think have merited. But the thing is, is God calls us to a different kind of love. He calls us to a radical love. He calls us to love our enemies. He calls us to love the rude. He calls us to love every single person of society. And that's what actually makes Christians different. Because it actually says in the scripture that if we only love people that love us, we're actually no different to anyone else in the world. But the mark of a follower of Jesus is radical Christ-like love, undeserved, unmerited, because we have received it from him. Romans 5.8 says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at our worst, Christ died for us. While we were in rebellion, Christ died for us. While we didn't even want him, he died for us. And he wants us to be able to pass that grace on to others. So uh, if I could just have the team up this morning, I just want to recap where I've been. Uh, I believe the true mark of spiritual maturity is growing in the love of Jesus. You know, our love from God is inseparable from our love from other people. I've, I've heard well-meaning Christians say this, I love God, I just don't love people. And I'll say, well, that's completely unbiblical because they go hand in hand. Our love for God is inseparable from our love for people. You know, Jesus says that the way we love each other, it's actually the golden mark. It's the golden standard. It's the way that we prove that we are his disciples. It's unwieldy. The love of Christ, it's unwieldy. It goes beyond right and wrong. Everything within our humanity would want to lash out and not listen to someone that's speaking something we, we agree with. Everything in our humanity doesn't want to serve. Anything, everything in our humanity wants things to be earned. But God gives us grace and he wants us to pass that on to others. We explored how, how to embody this love and we're reminded that you need to know that you are loved. You are loved. You are, you are the beloved of God. And I believe we should all learn that scripture as a church. Mark 1.11, I am a beloved son of God. I am a beloved daughter of God, and in me he is well pleased. Get that etched in your mind, and you can come back to that again and again and again. I am the beloved of God. 
I am the beloved. And that was before Jesus did anything in his ministry, before any doing, that declaration was bestowed on him. And God wants to bestow that on you because you have been clothed in Christ. We talked about seeing people the way God sees them. Every person in this world is a child of God, a dearly loved son, a dearly loved daughter, a treasure, a a unique reflection of him, someone made in his image. And when we begin to see people through that lens, we just naturally love them. Because they are, they, their importance is, 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 is beyond measure because God has made them. And God loves them just as much as he loves you or he loves me. You know, we talked, and then finally we talked about practically, what does it actually look like? What are some practical things? We talked about being present, just being present, just giving people yourself, entering their world. We talked about listening, not to give advice or an opinion, but hearing, actually listening. We talked about speaking life, encouragement, thankfulness, appreciation. We talked about serving and giving, looking to be generous. You know, an act of kindness in the workplace, that can transform someone's life. A little act of kindness, a little act of service. And finally, we talked about extending grace, just as we have been given grace, going beyond right or wrong, going beyond whether people deserve it or not, because that's when Christ loved us, when we were at our worst. So, um, I've just been thinking about this and imagine if each one of us as a community, as we, if we took this on board and if we were like, I'm going to make love the mark of maturity. I'm going to commit this year to passing on the radical love I've had. Imagine the effect that would have in our workplaces, in our staff rooms, in our families, in our streets. It would completely change people's lives if people began to experience a tangible reality of Jesus through his people. And God actually wants to make himself known through his church. It is his plan. It's not his plan to write in the sky, I'm real. It's his plan for people to experience love through his church, through us. Let's dare to love this way and follow the way of Jesus. So I'm just going to finish by uh, praying over us this morning if you want to bow your head. Lord, I thank you that you are, your love is beyond limits. Lord, it's hard to comprehend. It's, it's incomprehensible. And Lord, I, I thank you for that love that you've bestowed on us, that you call us your beloved. You call us your beloved son and daughter. The one, and, the one that gives you great joy. And I thank you, Lord, you did that unconditionally before the foundation of the world. You loved. Lord, I thank you that you are love. Lord, I thank you that every other human being on this earth is a priceless creation a beautiful reflection of you. Lord, our uniqueness is needed because one person alone is too much to reflect you. Lord, I thank you that you've loved us in such a radical way, even as you washed your disciples' feet. You lowered yourself from heaven, the creator of the universe, to take on the limitations of humanity. And you you walked among, you walked with the lowly, you listened, you encountered, you were present, you affirmed, you encouraged, and you extended grace. And Lord, I just really ask, Father, that you would empower us to walk in this. Lord, would that answer to that question I posed earlier, are the people closest to us experiencing us as a little bit more loving with each passing year? Would that answer be yes? Because we're receiving love from you and we're being led by your Spirit. Bless each person in this room this morning, Lord. Bless each family. 
In Jesus' name, amen.